Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. And between now through Tuesday on this Memorial Day weekend, the Brewers Outlet specials include Keystone Light 18 pack cans, just $8.95. Mike's Hard Lemonade, 12 packs, $14.95. Goose Island 15 pack cans, $14.95. Seagram's Coolers, 12 packs, $10.37. And Labatt Light and Lime 24 packs, 16 ounce cans, just $16.98. And of course, they have the pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills, which, of course, Numero uno and special every time out. All right. We're also in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Roots 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right. Uh, great to bring in Kim Jones. Kim, welcome back. I hope you're doing well on this Memorial Day weekend. Well, we finally have sunshine and, uh, and basically summer, so I'm great, Steve. How are you? I'm doing very well because it's sunny here and it feels like summer. That's great. Yeah, I love it. Uh, let's start with the uh, Giants uh, and Saquon Barkley. Uh, you know, obviously these, these are OTAs, so it's a little bit different. But how does the fit seem so far? Perfect. Next question. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah. kidding about the perfect part, though. He is what they thought. He's everything they thought. They love him. Uh, don't believe anything you hear about him not being an easy pick for them. He was. Or him not being absolutely number one on their board. He was. Um, he. We, there's only been one OTA open to the media. Not all of them are open for any team. So I was there on Monday when they were open. Saquon talked. He continues to impress my colleagues in the media who aren't as fortunate and don't know him yet. Uh, and uh, nothing he says is surprising to me, but it's all impressive. He handles things very well, maturely, as you would imagine. Uh, talks about blitz pickup. Christian Hackenberg actually told me a funny story this week about how uh, he didn't pick up a blitz against Illinois one time, and he let him have it. But that when Saquon got to campus, he realized, you know, physically he was able to do everything. And he said to him, if you work on pass protection, that will set you apart. And next time I talk to Saquon, I will just, you know, reminisce about that with him because I thought that was interesting from Hackenberg this week because it is going to set him apart among what is expected of rookie running backs. And he'll be a big part of the passing game. He'll be a big part of everything they do. And so far the fit has been what I expected, which is just just really perfect. And you and I know that in this league, usually rookie running backs come in and they find a spot. Being an every-down Three down mm-hmm. running back is a little bit unusual for somebody coming to the league, and that's where the blocking part comes in. The blocking part, and and also most importantly, because you can get your quarterback, you know, killed. But yeah. uh, also the pass catching, which it's funny that that he is so 
advanced in that area. I mean, he's advanced, period, but he's advanced in that area. And when I did the piece I did uh, for NFL.com on him, and it, which ran in October, I remember Deshaun Hamilton telling me that Saquon had asked him to help to show him how to run out of the slot. Um, and of course, Deshaun Hamilton, being Deshaun, did of course. But you know, and sure enough, um, we saw Saquon and OTAs lined up two places, Steve, that I noticed from a distance because we were a bit of a distance away in the backfield, of course, and in the slot. So it's going to be fascinating to see what the Giants can do with him, especially with the talent around him on that offense. Obviously, he's just at the beginning part of this. But what can the domino effect say? Say Saquon has success that we think he's going to have and continues to deliver the personality that you and I have been witness to now for years. What does that then do for a team thinking about a Penn State player because of a guy like him? Well, I think it opens minds. I mean, I think that Gasicki can have the same effect. Um, You know, listen, maybe not to the level. I mean, I think Odell's right. Saquon will have the, you know, top-selling jersey, certainly among rookies, and he'll probably be in the top ten overall in the league and maybe at one point have the top-selling jersey. I mean, Saquon's going to be a phenomenon. We know that. But, you know, Hamilton with the Broncos, Gasicki in Miami, and Saquon. I mean, I think that that they can kind of show it. It is to, to some degree a different athlete and a different caliber player vis-a-vis the NFL that we're seeing at Penn State now. And I do think, you know, listen, the New York Giants were not interested in Penn State players for a long time, and I know that for a fact, and they rarely had them. Sometimes they got them in free agency. Maybe they spent a fifth-round pick on one, that kind of thing, but they were not looking for him. Now, Saquon makes all of that an easy decision, obviously, plus there's a new regime with the Giants. But I think you make a good point. I do think that there will be a, a, a reason to maybe look again uh, and sort of reevaluate what you think of the Penn State player coming out into the NFL. All right. Uh, overall, what was the general impression everybody had of Giant OTAs? Because obviously Odell Beckham was there. Uh, yep. You know, obviously Eli was there. So what yep. was the general impression? Yeah, listen, I mean, I, I think they're optimistic. I, you know, you have to remember, and I do radio here in, in the New York area on WFAN. You know, I said, someone asked me last week what I thought, and I said, seven wins. And they were, you know, there was a Giants fan who was very disappointed by that. And I said, I mean, God knows, Steve. First of all, I'm never right about this stuff, ever. I'm never right about right. this stuff. But, right. I, I, I mean, they're going from, from three wins. They added a lot. They have a new offense, a new defense. And I just figure there's going to be growing pains. And the first eight games of the season – Somehow, the Giants and 49ers are tied for the toughest schedules in the league. So it all, you know, I'm not sure that this, you know, has the makings of a 13 and three season. I, I just think that they're going to show progress, and I think there's optimism about that. And you know, one thing I know for sure, uh, Saquon's biggest fan on the Giants that I've identified so far is Odell Beckham Jr. And yeah. their lockers are two lockers apart. Um, I can't speak for Saquon. I know that Odell was hoping they'd be next to each other. I think with, I'm not sure who the player is in the middle because we're not allowed in the locker room until the regular <laughs> season starts, but something tells me they'll all adapt just fine, and it might be Sterling Shepard, for example, or a receiver or a, run, a different running back, but they'll all be fine with that. But uh, I think that, that Odell recognizes the weight he has carried when healthy for this Giants team, and it really hasn't worked out. And now to get someone to come in and really open up the field. They're going to open up the field for each other in different ways, I think is something that any player, and I know Beckham, is excited about. What kind of read do you have on the Jets side of it? 
Yeah, you know, the Jets are going to be interesting. They're, um, they're going to have to be patient with Sam Darnold. They will be patient with Sam Darnold. One thing I asked uh, Todd Bowles the other day in his press conference, Steve, after they traded Hackenberg was, is there a lesson to be learned here because you wasted, this is how I phrase it, because you wasted a second-round pick and now you have to develop a young quarterback. And, you know, I was sort of disappointed, not that I don't actually, you know, he can certainly answer however he wants. But Bowles said there's no lesson because every player is different. But the fact of the matter is for the, for the Jets, this is a recurring theme of a complete inability to find, develop, and then have success with a franchise quarterback. You can just recent history. Mark Sanchez, Geno Smith, Christian, all first or second round picks. I know there, I know a first and second round pick is a difference. I understand that. But none of whom made it at the big picture level. So Sanchez had the most success, obviously, Gino less so, and then Christian never took a snap. But this is an organization that has to find a way to do something it has not in recent history been able to do or anything you talk about the Jets is for not. If Sam Darnold isn't eventually, not immediately, but eventually a successful franchise quarterback for them, um, it's a disaster. And I'm not sure how many people in the organization would survive that. Now, that we won't know that this season, but I would certainly think we would know it fairly shortly after that. Well, it's interesting about that is that I remember when Mark, I did Mark Sanchez's last game. It was the Rose Bowl and last college game. Oh, it was yeah. the Rose Bowl against yep. Penn State. Yep. And he was phenomenal in that game. Mm-hmm. And then he then he went out, and I remember how upset Pete Carroll was yeah. that he elected to go out. Mm-hmm. Now we know that Christian, of course, went out early. Mm-hmm. Geno Smith, I'm not sure if he may have been a senior when he went out, but I mean, if he went out early too, I mean, this is a trend now of quarterbacks coming out early and they're expected to learn on the job. How difficult is that even for somebody that's a little bit more mature to do? Well, it's hard, especially given that the NFL Players Union, you know, in the CBA insisted on less instruction time with coaches in the off season. I've never understood that. You know, the guy, I understand when coaches abuse it, it has to be um, dealt with. I get that part of it. But to just take it away entirely, um, coaches will tell you, even some young players will tell you, they would like that chance to learn in the off season when they're not on the quote-unquote clock of a season. And then they're ready for the season and can actually compete to start or in some cases make the 53-man roster. So it is short-sighted. It is not easy. And in the Jets situation, they are entrusting Jeremy Bates, who not so long ago was spending a few years out of football entirely. He is both the offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach. And people will say to me, yeah, but Josh McCown's really the quarterback's coach. Well, first of all, no, he's not. He's your starting quarterback. But Josh McCown is a good mentor and was one to Christian. But mm-hmm. they are entrusting Bates, really, if you think about it, and I have suggested it is this way, with the entire operation. Because if the offense and Darnold fail, the entire operation fails. There's no way around right. that with the Jets. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. They are entrusting the whole thing to him. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's uh, all on his plate. It's amazing. Right, it's, it's amazing. It's all on his plate. Uh, what, what do they think of Sam Darnold? I mean, they're obviously they, thought high enough of him to yeah. pick him third overall, but now what do they think now they got him? They love him. Um, uh, my buddy Albert Breer in MMQB and another buddy, Brian Costello, in the New York Post both wrote fairly similar stories. MMQB obviously is a longer form about, you know, the, the – 
sort of the inside the organization take, mostly anonymously, but they were all inside the Jets organization people talking about how they fell in love with him. They just didn't think that there was any way they could get him. Darnold apparently told Jets people he thought the Giants were taking him number two. We know that was never going to happen, but I can't blame the kid for visiting with a team and thinking that team likes him. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the Jets never called the Giants to trade up to two. They were willing to gamble there. Uh, that part of the gamble certainly paid off because Barkley was the pick there um, the whole time. But they love Darnold. They think that he can develop. He's 20 years old. I do think he turns 21 relatively soon, but I'd have to check. But he's 20 years old. Um, we've seen the fumbled snaps at practice and at OTAs, or the OTA that was open. We've seen fumbled snaps. Uh, he completed two of ten passes the other day in team drills. And, um, you know, we've seen interception, I, I believe, every time we've seen him. But uh, that is to be expected. And I once watched Eli Manning in his rookie minicamp uh, hit a tackling dummy with the ball. So um, I do understand that there is growth that these guys can have at this point in their careers. But the tackling dummy was open. <laughs> he so. really was. He was blue, and he was in the middle of the field wide open. <laughs> <laughs> and right on the money whip. Yes. Uh, I, I've got, I have to ask you about, you and I love to talk football. Yep. And we love to talk about the players, who's doing mm-hmm. well, who's doing not. How tough has it been at, for you at times to just stick to, hey, let's talk about football, when there's so many ancillary issues like the one that came up yeah. this week? Yeah, the anthem issue obviously is overriding. so emotional. I actually have a radio show tomorrow. It's only a three-hour show, um, and I don't know how much anthem will do. The callers will kind of decide that for me in some cases. But uh, I, on my Twitter, I stick to football, some goofiness, some baseball, that kind of thing. I don't treat my Twitter as sort of a pulpit or a soapbox, and I'm not being critical of those who do. I'm just saying I, I, I don't. I choose not to. Partly the... I mean, the, the brushback you get from even the most seemingly innocuous comment, I do not need to wade into the political uh, feelings of our country at the moment and take it, right. you know, from either side or both sides with literally anything I would say. So I don't do that. Um, the anthem issue, though, I, the only thing I wonder is if there's not some regret, and I'm not saying there is, I'm wondering, from, the, from ownership level and NFL, uh, NFL level, that they kind of stirred a pot that – you know, was already on simmer, headed to cool down. And, you know, it just kind of resurrected this week, and now it's sort of a, oh, here we go again. When by the end of the season, Steve, fewer than 10 players were kneeling. Um, And and I'm not so sure all of those, I don't know, I truly don't know, but I'm not sure all of those would have knelt, you know, September 8th or whatever the heck date the season opens this year. So uh, the timing, I understand they have their meetings. The NFL owners have their meetings March um, uh, May and then in October, and I understand they wanted to kind of get ahead of this, but in getting ahead of it, they really rekindled something that that had kind of left our our consciousness for a while. You know, it's interesting. You said exactly what I said on the show. Yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I said it, it's the same thing that uh, an issue that, especially after they had made the one hundred million dollar commitment, yes, that mm-hmm. it just which is significant. S- Significant and show great leadership. Yep, all the way around by the commissioner, by the players. Yep, everything. Mm-hmm. It seemed to put everything like, okay, we're on track here, and then they threw it back on track by doing this when I didn't think they needed to. Yeah, I would but, agree with you. And yeah. you hear, you know, from credible journalists, hey, you know, there's the midterm elections. They were afraid 
it might be brought up again politically. Well, you know what? If it were, and after a month of season or during a month of a first se- uh, the first month of the season, excuse me, when you know four players were kneeling or six players were kneeling, then then you're really sort of reaching there. You know, no matter who you are politically bringing it up again. And I just thought this was one the NFL could have won by being passive. And I don't often feel that way about issues. A lot of times I do feel it. Whoever you are, you need to confront it. You need to take it on. This one, I thought they had won and certainly were continuing to win by sort of sitting back and letting it go. They obviously felt the need to be proactive. Well... You and I'd rather talk football. So, like, <laughs> you want to talk about Christian? Yeah, I want to ask you about. Yeah, he's going to go out obviously to Oakland, where yep. it's uh, Connor Cook, EJ Manuel, and Christian. Because obviously, we know yes. Derek Carr's not going anywhere. Right, right. Which the which which think of it? Well, I know for a fact that head coaches in the NFL, some of whom uh, may have particular interest in Penn State, thought that getting him to Gruden was his best-case scenario. Um, If you're wondering, I do think Houston, uh, I think, I'm not reporting, I think Houston would have claimed Christian on waivers. Uh, Teams, a lot of teams obviously weren't looking to give up anything, even a conditional seventh-round pick to trade for a player who didn't take a snap in his first two years, and the Texans would also fall into that category. But on waivers, it would have been interesting. He would have obviously had to go through the pecking order. Uh, Houston would have been interested, I do think some other teams would have been interested. He wasn't going to go unclaimed, let's put it that way, and then he would have been a free agent able to choose. That was not going to happen this time around. But I think the idea of getting him to Gruden, who, from what I am told, is John Gruden is incredibly excited to work with Christian. He wishes he had had him for the entire spring. Obviously, he can't get those four or five weeks back or whatever it is, so Christian will have to catch up. Uh, Christian, when I talked to him before the trade, the day he was traded, I talked to him in the locker room before that. And he was as confident, as optimistic and positive as he's been since I've known Christian, which is when, which is his uh, junior year at Penn State. So um, he sounded good. He has the right mindset. He does believe he's retold his throwing motion. Um, and someone who knows Christian uh, but is not directly related to him or Penn State told me Christian has done something very, very difficult to do, and that is retool your throwing motion. So yeah. he's going to get to show it uh, with the Raiders. And and he's going to get to see if that's enough for him to stick. And obviously the performance. Yeah, the performance is going to matter. But in the end, one of the elements of the fact that I like that Gruden decided to go and take a chance on Christian mm-hmm. is that in the Gruden quarterback camp, yeah. he was around him and he worked yep. him out already a couple of years ago. So there must have been something he saw that he liked to bring him there. Well, and keep in mind, Derek Carr, who I think everyone likes as a quarterback, has right. missed games because of injury. You know, it's not like John Gruden goes in and says, you know, I got an Eli Manning here who never misses a game, or I have, you know, this Iron Man. I mean, Derek Carr has had at times occasion to miss games, and his backup for that reason is an important position. All of them are, but, but it is when you don't play behind. You know, Eli Manning's backup, for example, Steve, we've ignored for years because we could. Yeah, uh, right. You know, with most quarterbacks, the backup matters, and in this case, he has a chance to win what would be a very important job for him. That would be a real success story given where he's come from, Steve. I'm not saying it would be the end of the story, but it would be an important step in his journey if Christian could win that backup job. That would say an awful lot about him given the way his first two years went. No question. No question. And it's uh, E.J. Manuel, it's Connor Cook and Christian. They're the ones vying for that spot. Yep. Yep. Hey, 
Kim, have a great one. Thanks so much. Appreciate the time as always, okay? Have a great weekend. Until I talk to you again, perhaps in the middle or toward the end of summer, I look forward to it, Stevie. Same here, Kim. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Kimberly Jones, NFL Network. And, uh, yeah, catching us up on Saquon, Christian Hackenberg, so much more. Um, I did, uh, by the way, have a text exchange with the suit. Oh, really? Took a little break from the Friday afternoon siesta in Nori? Okay. I, uh, I texted him, while some of us are throwing heavy innings, others are drinking apple martinis. <laughs> That's right. And, and 100% wonderf- accurate. And they were wonderful. So I asked, are you watching Sex and the City reruns? <laughs> no. <laughs> I've seen them all already. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he ordered the way he did. <laughs> oh. More guys than you think 20 years ago are watching that show. Right on the other side of the glass from where I'm sitting, we had a... We had our Central Susquehanna Valley League fantasy football draft. I think it was the second year I was in it. And believe it or not, there were some, some, a few of the guys who were friends with Roger sitting across from him at the table. Oh, we got to wrap this draft up. Tonight's the season finale of Sex in the City. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. That's <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, okay. That group graduated to Lifetime movies. All right. So. <laughs> We'll come back with more in a moment. Uh, The other KJ (laughs) will join us on the other side of the break as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Brewers Outlet. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Jump into savings and stop by the Beverage Supermarket Brewers Outlet Sunbury for incredible savings. Keystone Light 18 packs only $8.95. That's only $2.99 a six-pack. Mike's Lemonade 12-pack bottles $14.95. Seagram's Coolers 12-pack cans, wow, just $10.37. Brewers always has a large beverage and craft beer selection. Teas, snacks, fresh roasted peanuts, and of course the pickle bar. Why go anywhere else? So start your parties with Keystone for under 50 cents a can and check out the Brewers Outlet Facebook for more specials. Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, Sunbury. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show is brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. It's Memorial Day weekend. It's time to stock up. Great specials between now through Tuesday. Keystone Light 18-pack cans, 
Mike's Hard Lemonade, 12-packs, $14.95. Goose Island 15-pack cans, $14.95. Seagram's Coolers, 12-packs, $10.37. And Labatt Light and Lime, 24-pack, 16-ounce cans, $16.98. Imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. The bags are right there at the register. And the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills, without question, second to none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury. The beverage supermarket. And uh, it's the Memorial Day weekend. Stock up now. It's going to be hot all weekend. Nice. As uh, someone said to me today, they said, we have gone from uh, from winter to summer all at once. And I'm in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And now we bring in the king of South Windsor, Connecticut himself, and he is the king. I'd like to order a pooper platter for two. <laughs> wrong, I'm sorry, wrong number. Not two poo-poo platters, a poo-poo platter for two. Wrong uh, last time I got two poo-poo platters, you gave me two poo-poo platters for two. And I had two grocery bags of poo-poo platters. I want two way poo-poo platter for two. <laughs> so, <laughs> what up? <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be worse. We could all be sitting at a place right now and ordering apple martinis. Yeah. <laughs> Where would that that's, be? Well, that's what the suit's doing today. Out of nowhere. Once again, to... I would pay major league money to watch you drink a martini. <laughs> 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 I would just sit back and... There he goes. Okay, he's dancing on the table. Let's go put your clothes on, Steve. Steve... <laughs> Pull your pants up. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big drinker. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Never have been. Never have been. No. For whatever, for whatever reason. No. Oh. So, yeah, here we are, another week in the books. Uh, and do you still have all the people you had the week before, or did you get rid of anybody else? No, it's just a couple of us now. And in fact, the last job the guy did that I let go, they returned today. <laughs> so, uh, fabulous. Oh yeah, yeah. I wasn't too happy, but that's the way it goes. I'm happier he's gone. But yeah, they brought 600 parts back, so I got to spend the weekend fixing them. That's oh, my problem. Yeah, what are you gonna do? So, <sighs> The uh, Red Sox, by the way, designated Hanley Ramirez for assignment, which means his career with the Red Sox is now officially over. Uh, they're on the hook for $15 million the rest of the season regardless. But... Well, they let that catcher go. You know, that, that, that's crazy. What's his name? What, Blake um, Swihart? Yeah. No, no, they kept him. Break. No, they, they kept him. They never play him, and they won't train him. Yeah, but they're about to play him now because they got rid of Ramirez. Well, I don't know. Hey, who's complaining if you're a Red Sox fan? They're in first place, so they got to be doing something, right? 
Hey, I was oh. at a wood place today. I got another job to, for Mohegan Sun to make wood frames. And this guy, we start talking hockey, and his best friend's son is Ryan Hansi. He played for the uh, Penguins. Hainsey. Uh, I think they're last. Ron Hainsey. Ron, Ron, Ron Hainsey. Hainsey. Yeah, he yeah. plays for the, uh, yeah, yeah, Ron Hainsey. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, he Hainsey got the was drink with... out of the Stanley Cup. He said, I got the yeah. drink out of the Stanley Cup because he had it for a couple days. So. Yeah. Um, what, uh, Hainsey was picked up last year from the Carolina Hurricanes. Yep. And, and closed out the season, won the Stanley Cup. And I want to say Hainsey this year. Played with the Buffalo Sabers, maybe. Uh, he went to Toronto. Toronto, Toronto, Toronto yeah. Maple Leafs. Yeah, he okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So that was pretty cool. He no, went to cool. Bolton. He went to Bolton. Played at the Bolton Ice Palace. So he's a Connecticut native. I didn't know that. So yeah, just a little tidbit, you know. You run across yeah. people, and so that's two well, cups that have been in Connecticut. Well, you know what though, but that what's interesting about that is, you there's only a, a certain shelf life that I think teams have to win these days. Yeah, and it's not like the old days where let, let's take the Baltimore Orioles when they had Frank Robinson, Mark Belanger, Brooks Robinson, Dave McNally, Mike Cuellar, Jim Palmer, Paul Blair, Andy Etchebarren. They had the same team every year, and for 10 years they were contenders. That doesn't happen anymore. Hainsey last year, he leaves the Penguins. Benino leaves the Penguins. Daly leaves the Penguins. Kunitz leaves the Penguins. And the Penguins also exit in the second round because they couldn't afford to keep everybody. Shelf life is short. Well, Hainsley, this kid, he was the oldest guy in the NHL who had never played for the Stanley Cup. Fourteen years he was in the league. That's why Crosby gave him the cup, was the first person he gave the cup to after they won, because he had been in the league so long. But he's bounced around. He started with the Canadians and played with the Atlanta organization that changed to Winnipeg. Yeah, the Thrashers. He played for like six different teams. He played for the Hurricanes. Um... He's been all over the league. He was going to quit, and he stayed in because Pittsburgh picked him up. And he got a chance to win the Cup, and he did. And he was, I I mean, I don't know, but what he told me, he was instrumental in him winning. He scored a couple goals. He got off to a slow start with Pittsburgh. And then as time went, he got better and better. And when the playoffs rolled around, I thought he played superb hockey in the playoffs. And I thought in the final, I thought he was outstanding in the final. He was a big reason why they ended up winning it. Yeah. Just a little tidbit. Yeah. Hey, you know who I talked to this week? Donna Kerkorian. I haven't talked to her in 35 friggin' years. Wow. Yeah. I hope she's doing well. Yeah, she said to say hi. Well, good. No, she's doing well. She runs a company in Suffield, so she's got horses. They race horses and stuff like that. So 
she's doing well. I mean, it's been a sad time for their family because you heard about Debbie, right? Yeah, sure. Debbie died yeah, you, in a car crash a couple of years ago. Yeah, so, you mentioned that to me. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty devastating. But yeah. uh, what else is going on? Let's see. Hmm. What? What's going that's on it. here today? That's it. Besides tough family the, stuff. But. Yeah, so, I mean, the Celtics are playing tonight against the Cavs. What do you think? Uh, if the Celtics get through the first quarter in the neighborhood, they will win the game. Do you think LeBron's really burned out? I don't really get that. I don't know. Um, I do because he is two minutes away from playing the most minutes he's ever played in a season. Yeah, that is a and lot. That, that includes the playoffs. And what happened was, what was the what happened between game two and game three? They had four days off. Yeah. They didn't play for four days. They are now in a pattern because they have to start the, the final here uh, for TV on time where they literally are playing every other day. Okay, game three, day off, game four, okay, day off travel, game five, day off travel, now game six tonight. They're now in a, playing every other day, which has also included two travel days. That can get to you. He could use a little bit of help, though. I mean, J.R. Smith has been non-existent, and uh, Tristan Kardashian, I mean, Tristan Thompson, <laughs> he, could be, he could be playing a lot better, too. But he yeah. looked, he just looked, when he was sitting on the uh, on that table, next to the bench with under three to go. He just looked absolutely wiped out. Just looked exhausted. Yeah. I don't know, maybe he had a maybe some kind of looked at him and de- kind of looked de- dejected while he was sitting there. And It's like, oh man, what are we going to do to get through this? He well, you looked know exhausted. I mean, he well, just the, the sweating and the, you know, I mean, that just, he's sweating because of, he's running, but it, it almost looks like a cold sweat, like he's wiping himself down and then he just starts sweating again, you know. It, it almost like a flu type of sweat. So, well, I, I mean, know. look when you handle the ball as often as he is forced to, you have to work much harder. That's why somebody made a comment about he's had thirty-five turnovers in the five games. I said, yeah, but he also has the ball in his hands more than anybody else combined. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, this is where you need. This is where, for example. Kyrie Irving took so much pressure off of him. I, Irving would bring the ball up, and just that little thing about having to not negotiate the first 60 feet with somebody hounding you and you're working your way up the court where you just have the freedom to jog down to a spot, that does so much to, to buy you more minutes in a game because the other guy is taking all the time up the court with the ball and that becomes a big problem I I think you know everyone and the Celtics story is amazing I mean you can't name any of the final four teams if they lost their two best players at the start of the year that they would be in the finals you know but but think about Cleveland people don't talk about it they strapped the whole team this is not besides Love and LeBron who started the year with them? I don't know. Did J.R. Smith start the year with them? Yeah, I think he and, did. And, mm-hmm. and Thompson and Corver, yeah. Yeah, but basically, 
they had to learn how to play with a new group of players in a couple of months, and they're in the final because of LeBron. But um, I, I, th- I think you're right. I think it's over tonight. I don't know. I, I don't I think, think it's going to go think... back to Boston. I think if Cleveland comes out and boom, they they come out right away throwing haymakers, then there'll be a game seven. If the it's Celtics are in the, yeah, uh, you the brought na- up a it, good point before that they had rest before. They're yep. tired, you know. It's one thing to say, okay, we're home yeah. and we're going to get all fired up. If you're just physically done, you're done, you know. And I think they're done. They have nothing in the tank. Not only LeBron, no one on the team. And if well, LeBron's you know, struggling, they all seem to like look around and say, "We don't have a plan B." You know, so. Well, and then there's the other part too, and this part really bothered me, and I never really have talked about it. There was a game, and I want to say it was in the Toronto series. It was not in this series in Toronto, mm-hmm. where they asked it was a blowout, so they asked Rodney Hood to go in the game, and he said no. Yes, I remember uh, that. I, I, I'm thinking yeah. to myself, you know, and everybody's like, "Well, you know, you know what? What? Uh, what he gone in the game with three minutes going the first half? I mean, I mean, what, why bother having a coach if the player's just going to make up his own mind? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I'm sorry, and, and that was something like was was kind of like smoothed over, passed over. I'm sorry. That is that is unprofessional. And if he's a free agent and he comes to my front office, I tell him to t- turn around. And don't let it hit you on the way out. I don't care if you score forty points a game. No, who did this? Rodney Hood. Yeah, of the Cavaliers. No. no, no. There's no leadership there. LeBron is the leader. The coach is just almost handpicked not to bother LeBron. You know. Um, which I don't like. I don't, you know, that that's where your Phil Jacksons and coaches like that, you say, well, you had great players. That's why you won. Yeah, but the, he managed the players. You know, he managed. Oh. He was still the boss, you know, you no can, matter you what. Can me- hey, look, Torrey, you can mess you it know? up. Look, you yeah. can mess it up, okay? <laughs> yeah. And I Phil mean, Jackson Corey did not mess up. He was famous because he could manage those personalities. Not everybody could manage those personalities, and he could. They wouldn't mess with him for whatever reason. But, yeah, anybody could manage that team and win. Not necessarily, you know. There's a point where everybody, things aren't going well, and you got to look to the coach. And Cleveland doesn't have that. I don't understand why, you know. But do you think he's staying, or do you think he's going to go to Philly? I don't think he's going to go to Philly. No? I mean, I, I know there's a big push for this. Um, I think if he went anywhere, it would be Los Angeles, uh, because he does have a home there. He also, I think, has acting aspirations. He's been in a couple of movies. <laughs> Why I mean, not? <laughs> but he, he's been in a couple movies, and he actually had... I did not see the movie, but there was one where he had to play a, a comedic role. He, he wasn't the primary guy, obviously, but people said he was very good. Yeah. Like, I, he's an you know. incredibly smart guy. So. Yeah, very smart guy. Uh, I, so, I, I mean, think he's going to Philly. I don't know. 
I, and this is why I, I, he is getting older, and it's wearing the West Coast. The West Conference is much more difficult, much That's more right. straining. You know, if yeah. he had to play in that that many games against that many good teams, his numbers will go down. Yeah. It's just my opinion. I don't know, if, but you know, the East is pretty much a cakewalk through the season so that he gets prepared for the playoffs, but we'll see. I don't... You're going to have to bring a couple other big players or he's not going, that's for sure. Right. He likes well, the if, Philly team. So. Well, yeah, who wouldn't? Uh, I mean, Embiid's yeah. big-time player. Simmons is going to be a big-time player. He's on the path to doing that now. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Fultz. We'll see. Um because last year, I when the Celtics had the first pick and everybody's saying, "Oh, they're going to pick Fultz," I said, "I hope not. I hope they pick Tatum." Uh, yeah. Then he traded down and still got Tatum. Like beautiful, well done. Danny Ainge doesn't get enough credit. Hey, I'll tell you, you got to be happy for Philly. You know, they've been oh, down I am. for a long time, and uh, their baseball team's very good. Their basketball team's on the rise. They won the Super Bowl. Good for them. You know. Won the national championship in college basketball? Yeah, again. So yep. They're back on the map. I mean, that you know, they've always been on the map, but I mean on the sports world map. It's good to see the Phillies. There's certain teams that if they're good, it makes the league better. And if the Phillies are good, baseball's better, I think. Yeah, you know? I do too. I do too. Uh, and I think Gabe Kapler so far, after a rough start, has done a good job and – it, he has his way of doing things, and guess what? With this group of guys, it works. It works, yeah. yeah. It works very well. Good for them. Happy yeah. to see it. So, and uh, so. we get the Phillies tonight, by the way. What's tonight's start? Tonight is a 6.30 start tonight? Uh, Zach Eflin's going to be on the mound for the Phillies tonight. Uh, 6.30 on deck, 7.05 first pitch. Yeah. A little interleague action this weekend with the Blue Jays before they head out to L.A. next week. There you go. Yeah, they uh, Cubs lead the Giants six to one, top of the ninth. Angels at the Yankees tonight. Pirates and uh, Cardinals tonight. Red Sox and Braves tonight, and the Phillies and Blue Jays tonight. When are you coming to Connecticut? Um, July. What happened to May? Well, we had to I put want that my off, pickles, man. <laughs> You knew that was coming. You knew it was coming. I know, I know that. I understand that. I understand duly, duly that. But, Before the but, next uh, season starts. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll get them. I swear to you. Uh, I mean, I swear. I, swear. And, I know. You know I know we, could. I, we have to do it by air, airlift, but we'll get it to you. Well, I kind of uh, keep hearing that commercial, and it makes me hungry, and then I get sad. So. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be could could be worse. I mean, you could have a another zero sum sales day in digital media and still drink <laughs> apple martini. So I mean, <laughs> you're saying the commercials I voice make you sad. Great, thanks. Hungry, <laughs> uh, feed me. Play with me. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> but yeah, we'll have to because because Mike's going to be here in a couple of weeks. So, yeah. uh, and uh, you know they're expecting another one. Yes, yep. Yeah, that's little amazing. Girl. It's going to be a little girl. Hey, 
Hey, I had a great grandchild a week ago. I skipped a lot of steps to get it, but. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, you you skipped every step. (laughs) (laughs) But I got one. She's not going to know the difference. (laughs) Shortcut. Somebody skipped so many steps to get to a, a level of greatness. They were in digital media. So I mean, it's like... <laughs> oh my goodness! You got an expansion team playing for the Stanley Cup, okay? All right. I think what on Monday they're going to show the Open and. The Vegas Open crazy is unbelievably Vegas. It's true Vegas. <laughs> I mean, it's this is really the greatest thing for sports. Vegas I would think. The, involved, I would think so. though, NHL suits behind closed doors. They got to be begging and praying for the Caps to win this thing. We don't want this first year team grabbing this thing. <laughs> yeah, but they but they want to see that Vegas. They want to see that Vegas market succeed. And when and when the fans see the Open that they do. They sit there and go, wow, why don't they do that in our city? <laughs> the NHL does it right, man. There's nothing better than the Stanley Cup playoffs. And adding Vegas to it is just icing on the cake. And I, you know I what's interesting it. about this playoff? There have been okay. hardly any overtime games. And Stanley Cup overtime is the best. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.